Next Chapter Podcasts. Welcome to the latest edition of Midnight Public Radio. I'm your host, Ari Wood. This week, we confront one of the toughest of all topics, inexorably moving towards us. It's death, and we talk about it. In ancient societies, one of the first rituals that would be created was usually about death, whether they were burying their corpses or exposing them in sky burials for birds of prey or loading them into a cannon and shooting them off a bridge, as is practiced in my hometown. Death has an important resonance for those who still live. It's one of the most common themes of art. Uh, It's the inspiration from everything from beautiful operas to badass skull tattoos. This week, death and all that entails, especially entrails, on Midnight Public Radio. Before we get started, of course we have a sponsor. Have a quick word from our sponsor now. The League of Illiterate Voters, sponsoring an anti-write-in voting campaign. Visit our website. If you know what it is, I don't. We're going to start this week by exploring a connection you may not normally assume. That's the link between death and money. Death can be big business, and few businesses are bigger in the United States than private prisons. We obtained the following recording from a whistleblower. Their whereabouts are currently unknown. This is the last transmission we received. Act 1, Guillotine Age Wasteland. All right, gentlemen, there's no need to beat around the bush. We all know why we are here. Please turn off your cell phones. We do not want this to get out. This is a private meeting of the Private Prison Industry Association Council, okay? You all know that we're facing a crisis. For some reason, caging human beings for profit is becoming less and less popular every day, and that is especially cutting into our sweet, sweet death penalty money. And that, as you know, is a huge underpinning of this entire industry. So what we need to do, there's been referendums. Virginia just got rid of the death penalty. People don't like the lethal injection system. You know, it's inhumane to electrocute people. So we, we got to face brass tacks. And unfortunately, the system where we shot brass tacks into prisoners until they died also ruled inhumane. But what we're here to talk about is this. We need to keep killing people, but we need to do it in a different way, okay? So you're all the top minds in creative kills. Um, Some of you are 15-year-olds who are really good at Call of Duty. Some of you are serial killers who got off. So what we're here to pitch is just how are we going to keep killing people in a way that other people are going to be like, nah, it's fine. Yes, well, we here at Morticorp have been doing some exciting new things in the world of life-ending practices. Well, you must be doing very well to afford such a billowing cape. Yes, we've we've all got a sort of goth chic in our executive board. Oh man, the last goth chic I knew was a guy from Iran who was really into the cure. (laughs) As you know, the electric chair is out of fashion. Gassing people is no longer fun. And of course, feeding people until they explode, well, that's never really been feasible, has it? So we at Mordecorp have decided for a new, more efficient form of execution, akin to the humane practices known as la madame guillotine. 
And so, instead of a large steel blade that will fall down on the inmate's neck and sever it from the head, we have designed a chair with a hole in the seat, through which a large metal spike flings upward through the rectum and out through the top of the skull. Quick, painless, and efficient. Wow, a, a sort of a very Transylvanian spin. Not only your accent, but very historically accurate. So, uh, sort of an, a Vlad the Impaler approach. It sounds efficient. Um, it does sound like it would make people think... I mean, they probably scream a lot, right, while they're dying? Oh, the wailing has been soundproofed by a large dome we put over the chair. It's made of a nerf-like material, which means... It can always be repurposed for children's toys. And what kid wouldn't want a, a hunk of foam that was used in an execution? Okay, we'll, we'll put it on the board, spike spike seat. Um, but I, I'm, I'm interested to hear other ideas. I do think we got to get a little more subtle, maybe a little more creative. The sleight of hand kind of distract them. But let's hear, hear what the, the good people at Stab and Sons have to say. Well, I, I, as you know, I am Jeremy from uh, Stab and Sons uh, Research and Development. Uh, as you well know, I was a big fan of the brass tacks, but unfortunately uh, that had to go. So I believe we have found something that will actually satisfy both our needs and the needs of the people. So how do y'all feel about a straight razor that cuts your throat for you? Basically, we leave it in the hands of the inmate. We lock them in a room, on their own, with the razor, they can press a button, one for throat, one for wrists, maybe one for something else if y'all want to get creative. But then they, they don't get to come out until they press the button and die. I, I like that you're catering to the pro-choice crowd, but... It doesn't seem that subtle to me. But if subtlety is what you want, perhaps you'll like Morticorp's other option. A thousand robotic ants that climb inside the person's skull and eats their brain out and then crawls out their eye holes. Is that subtle enough for you? Hmm. How is that more subtle? I think we're moving in the right direction. That's, you know, nobody's going to think of a thousand robotic ants. How about we mulch them? We can just mulch them, put them in a wood chipper, use them to, to make a farm, a nice uh, farm. People love farming in this country. A large hand that hits them so hard they go into space. Did you just watch Jackass? Because I'm pretty sure that was something in Jackass. I watched it. It was good. We can do stuff with that. What if we put them in a shopping cart and rolled them into a ditch? I mean, America does love that. Statistically proven, America loves a shopping cart gag. Oh, I like that. I love the Jackass movies. That's it. I think we found a way to cut cost and improve efficiency. We smash their testicles with pool cues like in the first movie. All right. I think we're all getting overexcited, but we have some exciting ideas. That go, hey, you. In the corner. Was that blinking light in your... Oh, you son of a... You'll never catch me! I'm out of here! Welcome back to Midnight Public Radio. If you have any information on the whereabouts of that person who remains unknown, please contact our producers. We'd love to milk that story for an additional week. Our next story concerns another aspect of death. The people, the thrill seekers, who want to walk up to the line and stare beyond the event horizon of what we know. 
They court death not for profit, but for fun. Act 2. Flatline, Summer in the City. All right, everyone, I just want to welcome you to another meeting for uh, Flatliners Anonymous. Um, I understand that addiction is hard to break, especially the addiction of uh, dying and coming back to life, but we're all here to get through this together. So um, if anyone would like to share, please feel free. Oh, you, sir, over here. Uh, we'll start with you. What's your name? And um, tell us your story. <laughs> Yeah. I'm Lucas Milford. Hi, Lucas. Thanks. So, uh, yeah, I was a, a former medical student at UPenn. Uh, surgery was my field. And I, uh, you know, always had a knack with my hands and, and just helping people and really just diving into the guts and, and the organs and stuff. And I, uh, you know, I, I always the top of my class and I thought I, I didn't need the limitations of what they were trying to teach me and that I could really push past the border between our two worlds life and death and so I uh, had a friend of mine stick me in an ice bath for 44 hours and then he jump started my heart with a golf cart battery and uh even though I saw pretty much just nothing but total blackness uh, when I was technically dead when I was coming out of that thing, man, I was rock hard. I mean, stiff as a board. I mean, swollen and pulsating. And I mean, I'm, I'm not talking about coming because I didn't get off. I just was erect. Hey, well, you're not alone. It is completely natural to uh, be stuck in an ice bath. And to watch a Chris Rock stand-up special and uh, getting rock hard from that. Um, you're not alone. You're in a safe place, and we're glad you're here. Uh, let's move on to our next person. Uh, please state your name and why you're here. Yeah, uh, my name is uh, Jeremy Franklins. And, uh, you know, I my story isn't that different from you guys. I mean, I got into flatlining in college. We saw the movie... Uh, we were like, Kiefer Sutherland's cool. We want to be that. So, you know, after... I, I was president of the uh, flatlining club in my college for about six months before we were having our normal weekly session, and um, I saw something. You know, I've heard stories of people, like, when they flatline, they see their grandmothers or they see God or something. I saw Hitler. I saw H Hitler, and I saw fire, and I, I think I'm going to hell, guys. I think I'm going to hell when I die, and I don't know what I did in my life to deserve this, but I'm pretty sure if I die right now, I'm going to burn. Newsflash, buddy. Life is hell. <sighs> hey, take it easy. This is not a competition. We are all here together to get help. Thank you for sharing. You're not alone. And we're going to get through this together. Now, moving on to our next uh, next visitor. Uh, please, tell us your name and why you're here. I got to say, I'm, I'm just confused as shit right now. Because 
she said this is a flatliners meeting. I'm like, hell yeah, I follow the flatline 100%. But y'all haven't even talked about the disc or the dome or Barack Obama and Joe Biden's uh, Truman Show projection machine that makes the stars. So it's like you're not even real flat earth hardliners. You know what I mean? Like that's not what we're here to talk about. But okay, anyway, I have a new theory. I think we could do an experiment. If we get like a big, big rock and we throw it up as high as we can, I think we can prove that the Earth's not rotating. So um, I guess I don't know if there's like a this is like a sharks situation. If you if you I pitch and you give me money, or if we got like a petty cash situation. But they say whenever the cash gets into my hand, it gets pretty petty. But uh, Richard Petty, because I got to buy that memorabilia. Um, but anyway, I've got a question. Tell me how uh, how thick do you think the Earth is? Well, you know, that's a good question. It's been, uh, you know, a lot of people for years and years, ever since Socrates and Erasmus, they thought the Earth must be dummy thick. But we know now that that is not true, that this crust is about to bust. It's about a foot, two feet deep t- tops. And if you're, dig- if you're digging and you hit anything deeper than that, you've discovered one of the government facilities. Because what they do is they take Earth from the top and they build out these underground chambers so they can lead you around and be like, look, it's a mine. We got gold from under here. That's bullshit. 24 karat magic only comes out of Bruno Mars' beautiful, beautiful face. Flatline Anonymous. This is a support group for people who are addicted to flatlining. This is not a flat earth society. I think I just figured out why I'm going to hell because I am probably going to kill that guy. Okay, so we are out of time. Um, I want to thank you all for coming and sharing. And not to pass judgment on anyone here, but some of us have flatlined a little too much and are off the rocker and could use some more grounding and support. And I hope to see you all back here next week. Take care of yourselves. Welcome back, Midnight Public Radio. I'm your host, Ari Wood. This week we're exploring death. We've heard about people's relationships to death so far, but we wanted to send out a reporter to talk to people directly, and not just anyone who might think about death, but the people who are most motivated, the people who live with death on their minds. So we send Scooter Bobic to Death Fest. Act three, fresh to death. Death is a curse that binds us all. It vexes man and woman and child alike, and none can escape it. So how do we get about the business of ending it all? Well, the best place to explore that is Death Fest in Death Valley, California. A collection of coffin vendors, theologians, existential philosophers, people in mourning, and of course, the average gawker trying to figure out what the heck's going on around here. I'm Scooter Bobbick, and for Midnight Public Radio, I decided to go down to Death Fest to check out the strange event that ends things for us all and see how different people sort of prepare to meet their maker or just, you know, really the empty void that waits for us all. So uh, I hit the floor of the convention at the Marriott down by the Sewage River outside of town to talk to some folks and, and see where they think they're headed. 
So um, you're from uh, you're you're from Fresno, is that what you said? Yeah, that's right. And just I mean, ever since I was a kid, I remember being vexed by death. But I really decided it was important that I have control over the way that I leave this world. And I mean, what am I going to do? Leave my funeral to my sister, Deborah? She'd make a horrible mess of it. So I know that I'm going to die before her because she sends me a text to that effect pretty much once a day. So I just want to be prepared. And um, the other thing for me is price. You know, it's so expensive these days. Funerals can cost upwards of dollar. So, I mean, you do math. That's interesting that you would say that price is the issue, considering the entry fee to Death Fest was $4,000, wasn't it? But that's still less than the average price of a funeral, I was told by the organizers. So, mm. you know, they also do allow you, if you do die while you're at Death Fest, you do get to get buried here, um, right by the sewage river. And that would just be great, because I love, love to just watch it slowly, slowly move out towards the city. So you brought the whole family, the wife, kids, the dog, all here to Death Fest. 12-hour drive, you said, uh, just to get some of the best deals on uh, what can be done with your family once you've, I assume, all died at once is what you're planning? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you can see we've got quite a sizable bunch here. Uh, It's actually a Hillman family tradition to come to Death Fest, no matter where we are in the country. And you're right, we did come 12 hours in a camper van we don't own just to be here. We all want to go out the same way. It's rather, you know, new school. Don't know if uh, everyone else is completely into it, but it's starting to gain ground in the past couple of Death Fests. But we want to be cremated uh, and then used in satanic rituals. The reason we would like to specifically be cremated is that you can't snort us if we're not ash. Uh, And we will need the devil priests to snort us in order to commune with his unholiness. So, you know, that's how we want to go. It's it's our thing. It doesn't have to be everybody's thing. Uh, But, you know, if you want to support our Lord and Satan, uh, feel free. Uh, so you you guys camped outside of Death Fest to to come here early and and get the best spots in line. What do you what what so excites you about this unusual event? Oh yeah, for sure, bro. I mean, we I, to be honest, um, I thought we were at Coachella. My buddy thought we were at Burning Man. We split the difference. We ended up here. It's hot as hell though, and I'm on peyote, and everybody's talking about death. So as far as I'm concerned, this could be my favorite band's concert, or I could be rolling around in the mud, but. You know, I think a guy over there said he would take my skeleton out and put it on display at a museum um, for the right price. And so I think that seems really cool. You know, if I didn't take the journey of my life to get here, I wouldn't know how the journey of my death is going to start. Then I decided to talk to some of the people who worked at Death Fest to figure out why they thought they could make such a morbid display for all to see and, and get paid for it. So your business, Conservacorps... What exactly does that do? Conserves corpses. But, I mean, that's the thing. People think that what we do is about death, but it's about life. The living are the ones who are bothered by corpses, you know? And until the the, uh, funeral industry was created after the Civil War, people just kind of threw bodies around willy-nilly. So that's not going to, you know, we're not going to go back there, but... I think it's important that we all make intentional decisions. You know, you think about what you put into your body, so why don't you think about what you put your body into? 
And also what we do is we grind you up into a paste and shoot you in a capsule towards the sun. So tell me, has there been a lot more competition on the funeral wreaths and floral arrangements area? This year, it seems like there has been. The last couple of years, I heard, were a little bit lighter in this section than it seems now it's much more popular. Well, it's been tough. I must say, it's been real tough. The, the way things have played out the past couple of years, we have about 18 billion more people dead than we ever thought we would. It's a true statistic. Now, for us wreathmen, it's been incredibly difficult for us to make enough wreaths to uh, address the demand. What we have been able to do is succeed in the virtual market. Uh, we will deliver wreaths uh, to your door. I think we are on the forefront of that. Also, we, we rent other wreaths. Uh, in addition to funeral wreaths, we, we also rent out those wreaths uh, horses get at the end of races. And then for the kids, we got just like little Hawaiian lays that are kind of like wreaths, but mainly just flowers in tiny knots. So, uh, tell us about yourself. Well, I'm here recruiting weird old groundskeepers for graveyards, you see. Unfortunately, it's an old man's game, and sometimes people say, well, you must dig the graves, and I say, no, 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 that's a different creepy guy's job. I'm much older, and I just kind of, like, weirdly live in the graveyard, and I'm always, like, interested in what's going on, but never actually, like, tending to the problems of the graveyard, and you think perhaps I hold some secret knowledge, but is that just because I'm, like, old, and so you're like, maybe he knows things, and he's in a graveyard, so death, and that's scary. Um, but anyway, we're looking for uh, 68 to 70 hundred-year-olds to come on down to tryouts. <laughs> So tryouts will be held at the graveyard, and you got to do things like polish the um, headstones and um, polish off a bottle of schnapps and then wander around and yell your dreams at the bodies. So it's good, and whoever wins, they win the golden shovel, which again is confusing because we don't dig the graves. You use the shovel to hit people with because um, they bother you, the teens and the tweens and the Gen Z. <laughs> What we like to say in the business is you can't become the groundskeeper at a graveyard if you're not ready for some grave responsibilities. Not surprisingly, Deathfest ended on kind of a sour note, as the keynote speech was actually a eulogy for the founder of Deathfest, who had recently passed away, was no longer able to join in the festivities. Helmut von Kloptenstein was a beloved member of the funeral community, and his protege, Tommy, had some very sweet words to say. When I first met Helmet, he looked me in the eyes and he said, you're gonna die. And I was driving the bus at the time, so it was not what I expected to hear. But he took me under his wing, um, and then once I got his coat off of my head, I was able to drive the rest of my route. But I saw him every day on the bus. He would only talk about death, and eventually I said, you know, why are you so obsessed with death? And he said, why are you so obsessed with life? And I parked that bus sideways on the middle of a bridge and I lit a fire and we walked away. And ever since that day, we knew that his business was death. People say, oh, it's bad to deal in death. And I say, what are you gonna deal in? Cards? Gambling's worse than dying in my world. And Helmet built this. Everyone here in the middle of Death Valley 
we've got we all got to share a gallon of water and three tents to sleep in. This thing makes Firefest look like Hellfest 2012. And if you were there, you know what I'm talking about. Ah, it is I, Helmut von Klettenstein. Oh my God, he's not dead. I will live forever now as a spirit that you cannot control or tame. You will all be the ones who die now, <laughs> for I am the angel of your doom. Midnight Public Radio, I'm your host, Ari Wood. This week, death, death, death. It's the topic that we just can't stop talking about ever since we began. We have one more story for you. A conversation, a discussion from a sister show on the Midnight Public Radio Network that really bridges the divide between the living and the dead. As we said, we wanted to bring you new perspectives, and this is part of our effort to do that. Act four, talking with a ghost. Welcome back to Existential Roundtable with your host, Derek Smears. Today, we're going to talk about death. It's inevitable, and it's happening to all of us, slowly, all the time. But does it have to be that way? We sat down with the two sides of this debate to talk about death. Should it continue? Should we have it anymore? We sat down with a live human being and a dead-ass ghost to talk about it. Thank you both for being here. I don't want to be living privileged, but I do want to let our our, um, our living person go first. Can you just give us your name? It's uh, Jeff Jeffrey. Uh, the the second Jeffrey is spelled G E O. You know the fun way. Jeff, thanks for being here. And our dead ass ghost. Hello, my name is Fabius. Jeff, Fabius, we know that you're on different sides of this debate. Let's talk about it. Death. It's natural, but should it stay the way it is now? I'm going to defer to Fabius here. You've experienced death. You are on the other side. What is it like for you? I would say that we all have, as humans, a long tradition of death. Not just me, but other people before me have died. My father... Nearly everybody who's lived has died. Statistically, that's inevitable. Everyone I've met... Everyone I've met is dead. And despite your accent, you did just die last year. That's true. Jeff, let's take it over to you. Being alive, you like it. Why? Uh, it's such a weird question. I mean, who doesn't like being alive? Being alive is great. Being alive is way better than being dead. I mean, come on. I like sitting. I like being, eating. I like, you know, being able to touch things. Being, eating, touching things. Fabius, do you miss that? I am still able to make weird, sticky contact with some things. I leave a trail of goo. (laughs) That seems inherently problematic. What was your death experience like? My death experience? (laughs) Yes, you pointed out, I died a year ago. When a pile of Xboxes I was stacking up at at the GameStop I used to work at (laughs) fell on my head. And crushed me. It's the way we all want to go. Jeff, what are your plans for dying? I don't have 
plans for dying. Who has plans for dying? And wait, if you died a year ago from some Xboxes, why do you sound like that? What's wrong with your voice? Is that what dead people sound like? I don't want to die and sound like that guy. Great point. Weird ghost voice is that part of being dead when you go over to the afterlife. Yes, you 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 be start to talk like this. You start to dress like the tattered rags of a person from the 1800s, and they give you chains. You, you do look like a man with a nightcap who has been woken up. Um, tell us about the afterlife itself. Where are you when you aren't here? Yeah, what's what's heaven like? It's a terrible place. Everything is so loud. God is always playing his music really loud, and it sucks. He's got really bad taste. Interesting. You don't like where you are, but you want Jeff to join you. Why should living people die if it sucks to be dead? It is a basic tenet of human beings that if one of us suffers, we want all of us to suffer. All I'm saying is that if you don't die, then what was the point of a pile of Xboxes crashing down on my head as I choked on half a taquito? That's a great question. That is a great point, and it points to next week's subject, which is taquito waste. What is going to happen to the living now? Jeff, if we stop death like you want, where do we draw the line? Do we have some sort of grandfather clause where we have a grandfather like Santa Claus figure who goes around killing the final people in the world? Do I get to do it? Do I? Can I? Well, wait, no. What? No, no one. That's the thing. No one should be dying. Listen, dude, I'm sorry you died and you sound like that because it sucks. But if we can stop death. I think I sound pretty cool. What are you talking about? You sound like you host, like you intro SNL. That was my dream job, but I was alive. Say musical guest for the for the listeners right now. Say G.E. Smith and the Saturday Night Live band. They're going to be joining us next week again to talk about Taquito Waste, GE Pro Taquito Waste, the rest of the SNL band, Anti-Taquito Waste. Final statements from both of you. We've got to move on because the pace of this show is intense and quick for no reason. Jeff, you're against death. Final statement. Please don't kill me. Interesting and not compelling at all. Fabius, Fabius, you're a ghost. You're into other people dying. Why should that be? All I'm saying is that you know, I, I just want some more people to hang out with. People didn't seem to like me when I was alive, and now that I'm dead, they're kind of stuck with me. If you move into the house that I used to live in, I kind of just show up from time to time, and wouldn't it be cool if we could all hang out? I gotta ask an important follow-up. The conception for most people is that a ghost requires unfinished business. Can you go on the record and let us know if that's true? I never finished that taquito. Terrifying to think that that could be the case for almost any of us when we die. This has been our show. We might see you next week, assuming there's any point to living at all. This has been Existential Roundtable. I'm Ari Wood. That's been our show, Midnight Public Radio. Of course, this is a production of the Midnight Gardeners League. You can find them at midnightgardenersleague.com. You can find them on Instagram at Midnight Gardeners. You can find them on Twitter at 12am Gardeners. We'll be back with more stories themed around the themes that make our life have meaning. 
Until then, be like me, wear four cardigans, and read a short story in the woods. I'm Ari Wood. Don't die yet. Next Chapter Podcasts.